All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Evolved Idiots Podcast. As always, my name is Mike Mendoza. Matthew Nathaniel. And today we have with us Fiorella Isabel. Uh, she's uh, part of Independent Media Voice uh, and co-host of The Convo Couch. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really love the curtain back there. <laughs> yeah, a little, little influence uh, from the evolving evolving mind, you know, of, of humanity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with the stoned ape theory? No. Uh, so that's... <laughs> really, really part of kind of the inspiration for for the show or the thought behind evolved the show idiots, is, is yeah. the evolved idiots and the background as well. So, theory is is that apes before man existed started consuming psychedelic mushrooms and it advanced the the growth of the of the brain and, and evolved into humanity. I yeah. honestly like that's the great theory. I feel like I've heard that before. Like yeah. that's, that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Well, if you've done psychedelics, uh, you know, like you kind of understand life a little bit. It's almost like, like taking like a, I don't know, something that like a, like a, instead of taking a pill, you take, you know, a, a natural substance and you understand your place and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So whenever you want to check in and see, Hey, like, am I doing the right thing? It's actually a good experience to have and to like see oh yeah. every time i i've done it i feel like life is like a journey and you kind of like reassess what you're doing and yeah. you're more aware of what you need to do and you're more aware of your relationships with people yeah. and you're like okay like it, everything's fine because sometimes the anxieties of the world i think can get people to uh just feel overwhelmed or or just uh, just start acting in a very robotic way that you're so disconnected from really what it is to be a human being living this mm -hmm. experience right yeah and that's why i think it's it's help us all connect together as well have us have a little more empathy with each other oh, yeah. and you know that's why you know what we were talking before we started recording like the the benefits of it like uh helping with depression add all these things and it's like looking at all the studies happening with like ketamine and and mdma and also like with with psilocybin microdosing there it's now it's getting a little bit more acceptable in yeah. the mainstream a little bit yeah yeah I'm, I'm excited to see you know how particularly microdosing starts to to take effect and gain popularity just because you know we joke often and what it would be like to microdose populations that are at in conflict without <laughs> them knowing you know very subtly um, if that might solve the problem. I know that that's frowned upon dosing people on knowing to themselves to them is, is frowned upon, yeah. but, uh, the government's you know. done it before. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't be the first time. Hello, big pharma. Yeah, yeah. Sure. exactly. So, you know, um, I'm glad you came on because, you know, I, I really, you kind of caught, I caught, you caught my attention. I suppose you could say on, on lines, particularly on, on Twitter, I was, uh, follow, caught, caught you last year, particularly, um, you know, during the protests and things and kind of have really been following you uh, pr pretty strongly since um, and, and watching uh, the convo couch and things like that. Um, because it's really rare, I think, that people find voices out there that are willing to kind of criticize both sides or it, it, let's I wouldn't even say criticize, but you know, reflect upon both sides and evaluate both sides with an even 
an even hand, you know, because so often right now we're, you know, very tribal. You pick a team and that's your team. And and so um, I really gravitate towards that. And I think we need to see more of that out there, uh, obviously. And I kind of for a lot of people, you know, that I talk to because I do, you know, work with um, sort of people who are figuring out how to get involved politically how do how would you you know what was your journey or how did you decide to kind of get involved and start saying you know instead of being the person that reads about it on 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 the news and says man that's terrible i'm i'm just going to tweet about it to the person that says i'm actually going to go out there and and be in that protest or i'm going to you know <laughs> launch a show and 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 do something and and start you know trying to get the more voices out there yeah. So initially I was in entertainment and the entertainment industry. One of the things that I went to school for was um, the I went to school for journalism slash public relations and English writing. So I was always into it. I was always into asking questions into writing. But when I came into to L.A. and there was so much focus on just this whole superficiality of Hollywood and like how just like people just aren't real. And then you you start seeing like the complete drastic contrast with like homelessness here. Like it was it was pretty bad already when I got here eight years ago. I mean, now it's like ridiculously out of control. Um, but it, it you you know, you start noticing those things. And then Bernie Sanders launched his campaign to run for president. And I, you know, had been an Obama supporter before, but I obviously had lost any sort of respect for Obama but it's, I still wasn't like, I knew he was bad and I knew things were bad, but I didn't feel like there was anybody there that represented anything remotely to what I believed. And then when Sanders started speaking out, you know, uh, he just kind of ignited the sort of, hey, like, you're not alone. There are other people who think of, like about these things like you do. And he was the underdog at that point. I remember him having his rallies with barely any people there. And he just grew and grew and grew. And when I was coming, uh, when I was working here, uh, I had a, a side job, as every artist usually does. And I was in the uh, hospitality industry. And I was a bartender and a cocktail server. And I met my co-host at a restaurant where he was working as like a manager and somebody had said, oh, that's a Bernie person. Oh, that's another Bernie person. And so we, <laughs> we started, you know, like talking about things. And like I would go on Facebook and I would say things. Then he saw that he was like, hey, can you come and defend me over here? Can you write this post for me? And I was like, sure. And so then we just started talking about how we I had been wanting to do something. He had been wanting to do something. And we just became friends and started thinking about watching a show. And then we did it. And initially we wanted to be the type of show that was more like a good morning type of show where you just get up in the mornings and you have coffee with us and it's evolved into like news and it's involved into journalism it's evolved into you know filming protests and filming um the the police and then going into like elections and mm -hmm. all of these things that that it's evolved into right but it didn't start out like that and one of the things that really got us into politics was how there was so much corruption in California that's supposed to be a progressive state. And we we learned through activists and people involved in the California Democratic Party, how the Democratic Party was always pushing out progressives, right? 
And that, then that evolved into after 2016 and after Bernie, you know, after Bernie lost and we know that the DNC went in the back room and said, hey, we can pick whoever we want. Mm-hmm. And all of these things, that was like, that's it. It's like, we don't have a choice. I, we personally started understanding, like, it's really hard to feel like your vote matters. And this is why people don't vote, because I a lot of my friends who aren't political, they always say, well, I don't vote because it doesn't matter. And especially the younger generations, too. And so now it's kind of like we went from electoral politics to direct action. So now we're like more so like telling people like we need to get on the streets. We need to start demanding certain things that other, you know, in other countries, they would be out on the streets already for. And, you know, this is like now the next step. And I think everybody's on a journey of evolvement um, when it comes to the where you go from as, as a person who thinks you can make change electorally. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of lost faith that we can make any change electorally significantly without first pushing any uh, direct action. So that's where we're at now. And it's, it's, it's crazy to see how I would say radicalized I've become in terms of really, really starting to branch out and talking to a lot of people who may be deemed Republicans or, you know, Trumpers. And I find that some of those people are actually more open to learning something because they feel like they were wrong this time. Just kind of like Berners felt like they were wrong in 2016 and then in the 2020 primaries, the, the, the right feels like they were wrong too. So it's been interesting talking to them about elections. It's been interesting talking to some people who, you know, will tell them stop bringing in communism or Venezuela or China or the ghost of Hugo Chavez <laughs> when you're talking about elections because it just discredits you, focus on, on the issue itself. And, you know, when I talk to liberals, though, sometimes it's almost like they feel like they know better. Like they, they know better than you. So it's, it's harder to talk to them sometimes. And that's kind of a controversial thing to say, I guess, because it's like, well, you'd rather talk to a fascist than, than, than a liberal. It's like, no, I'll talk to the liberal too. But it's just, they are set in their ways. A lot of liberals come from college education, very like, you know, this, I mean, I'm college educated too. That's, it's not like putting that down. I'm just saying like, you should be more open to learning things, to questioning it's crazy. Back in the day, the left used to be the ones who were pro free speech. They were pro like questioning things. They were deemed the conspiracy theorists. Now you flash to towards after the 80s or 90s, there was that, you know, that shift in culture too, where the conservatives were the ones that were like watching your language, watch your language. You can't say this. You can't say that. Now it's like, oh, the conservatives are like free speech and the liberals are like, no more control. We don't want to hear that. It's kind of it's all messed up. Well, if you follow if, if you really are paying attention, it's really quite nuanced because it really depends on what's being said as to whether or not it should be allowed or not, according to that side. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's, it's if it agrees with them, then free speech. And if it doesn't agree with them and they don't like it, then it's that shouldn't be said. Yeah. Censorship. And it really doesn't matter which side it is. Sure. And it's creating such a division. Like, how do you see a way to to bridge that gap so that we can have more conversations with people, you know, from that are Trumpers, that are Bernie people, because the whole journey you just described, your evolution, so to speak, really is is a common thread. Like that's really my journey as well. Like I, I followed politics for a long time. I knew it was very important into how reality really functions, but I didn't really 
you know, take it serious, you know, until I heard Bernie and I felt for the first time, like there was a voice for, for, for how I felt like for the most part, like, and at the very least with Bernie as well, he was the first person that I had come across as a politician that I felt like I didn't agree with maybe a hundred percent of everything he said, but like, I honestly felt like he wanted to do good for people more than just be there for greed and power and manipulating. And that's really what I think is ultimately more important. We got to get people in there that maybe don't even want the job. You know what I mean? Like they want or they want it for really the right reasons. Yeah, no, I, I did feel that way um, at that point about Bernie. And you can tell like when somebody one of the reasons Trump won is because he came across to many people. He wasn't, but he came across to many people as an outsider, as a, a guy who tells it like it is, as not a politician. So that's why, like, a lot of people were like, hey, that guy's not a politician. Clinton, she's the, the Clinton dynasty. You know, we don't want that anymore. That screwed up a lot of people. And a lot of the reasons why you saw certain counties in 2016 go from uh, Bernie to Trump especially West Virginia. Let's let's look at West Virginia as a state as a whole. That whole state went entirely red for Trump. Initially, Bernie Sanders won that state. So that just tells you that when you're paying attention to people's economic concerns, you know, at that point, NAFTA, TPP ruined a lot of people's lives in uh, middle America. And when you go talk to people and you don't say, hey, you're, you know, an awful person because you're you're white and you must you must be, you know, an awful person. You start talking to them about their economics, they all have the same concerns. Unfortunately, what happens a lot is that people get pitted against each other. You know, the, the white working class guy gets told that the immigrants are taking his job when it's really corporations outsourcing um, their jobs abroad. And so it, it's it's that connecting the dots. Same thing with the immigrant situation. We have immigration issues because of our foreign policy and nobody ever talks about that. And so when you start hitting those points with people, and you don't have to label it. You don't have to say this is socialism. This is communism. This is mm -hmm. capitalism. This is ism. But you just talk to them from person to person. And like you have a conversation, you find out that most Americans um, of the working class, which is most most people that aren't extremely wealthy, they have the same concerns. They want to they care about their kids, their school, their health care and, you know, just putting food on the table. That's that's the immediate basic human needs that you have to be that have to be met first in order for you to like feel good and start doing something creatively as a human being. And I think we've lost sight that those are the, the basic things. And I think that's where the connection is when you go out and you talk to people one on one. For instance, in Iowa, when I was there for the primary, there were conservatives supporting co-ops without knowing that they were co-ops. There were uh, grocery stores that were co-ops and they were they were like, yeah, it's great. You know, I if you work there, then you own part of the company and, and it's really awesome. And, and I'm like, oh, OK, you, yeah, okay, that's a co-op. But all right, that's cool. Like in Iowa, you wouldn't expect this to be there. And I think that if we stopped making assumptions about people yeah. before talking to them and just actually have conversations with them about, you know, what what are your concerns? What do you care about? That's where you start making inroads. And I think people are at a point right now where they're looking for leadership. They're looking for people, for somebody to look up to. But we also have to learn as Americans that we have to be the ones leading too. We have to be the ones setting uh, the tone of what's what's happening because I think we're running out of time in terms of how we're going to sustain what we have 
uh, as, a, as a country when we're being manipulated against each other. It's called this culture war, right? It's this culture war where you have people on the right that always blame uh, China or blame communism. Then you have people on the left always blaming Russia or the, you know, the left, like <laughs> Democrats blaming Russia, blaming, you know, some some other outlier that's not them. And, you know, focusing on the the white supremacist domestic terrorists and, hate you know, hate, go hate all these people that were there on January 6th. And then you have the right saying, go hate Antifa. And it's like, what, if you play into that, you're just playing into the back and forth because none of those things are accurate. None of those things are accurate. I was there on January 6th. I was also covering the protests before that, all the protests. And, you know, none of these groups are monolithic. What Everybody that was there on January 6th wasn't an evil white supremacist. Everybody that's Antifa isn't an evil, crazy person that wants to like just burn the whole country down. The, the, none of this is monolithic and we have to stop acting like it is. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, we were just talking last week about how, you know, manufactured and it, it, it is the manufactured distractions yeah. to keep people from focusing on the real war, which which the real war to me, as I see it, is really a socioeconomic war. There's really like the one percent, and then there really is the rest of us. I mean, people who I know there's a huge difference between someone who makes sixty thousand a year and somebody who makes two hundred forty thousand a year, but we're all still fighting against people who are keep consolidating wealth and power smaller and smaller and smaller into their hands and we're all in it together and all these other distractions whether it's you know gender identity or you know uh you know dr seuss or whatever it is like <laughs> Mr. Potato these <laughs> things these things just they don't matter like i i know they do matter sort of maybe to somebody but on what level and 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 at what cost yeah it's symbolic and they, they make you focus on the symbolic. What they do is a lot of progressives have actually, unfortunately, turned into, they allow themselves to get like caught up in this because they what they do is they manipulate your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a left-leaning person, chances are you, you're you more empathetic. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I, I don't want to like invade other countries, not just because it's a waste of money, it is, but also because... Uh, I care about not killing people. So I think that's important. So what they do is they weaponize your emotions against you and they say, oh, see that person that if you don't care about Dr. Seuss and setting this right, then you're not a true progressive. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make this your concern and you have to respect this and that and, and focus on these symbolic things. I'm not saying, you know, um, LGBTQ issues or trans issues or issues of respect aren't important. I'm just saying they're being weaponized against you. Absolutely. They're being absolutely just completely uh, just because at the end of the day, right, none of these people in power, none of these uh, one percenters, none of these billionaires are actually doing anything to help anybody, including, of course, the most marginalized people who happen to be of these of these groups and categories. So why are you fighting what with what somebody is you know saying even if they're wrong and ignorant on it you're not going to change that person's perspective in that in that way you're just not mm -hmm. this is like the government can't rule on culture it just can't like the, like the, the it's not their role to tell to tell somebody hey you're being an asshole like people are going to be assholes the way to do that is to combat that is to uh, have more conversations saying hey that person's an asshole but 
this is really what's going on. And let's talk about this. Instead, what's happened is a lot of the left has become extremely authoritarian in the sense of let's shut down free speech. Let's let's take Trump off Twitter. Let's take mm-hmm. him off Facebook. Deplatform, deplatform. Deplatform yeah. all these fascists. Some of these people that they want to deplatform, number one, aren't even fascists. That word is thrown around very, very like just like it's nothing now. People don't read enough history to know what that is. Probably <laughs> that's the thing, and it's like if you were in front of a real fascist, I'm telling you, most of you would like wouldn't even recognize it because now fascism, and this is something that you know, no matter how much theory you've read on Marx or Lenin or you know anybody that is propped up, they didn't come into contact with big tech. Big tech is a whole other way that we can be controlled in an authoritarian way. And that's where where what's happening right now is Google owns YouTube and YouTube is going off on so many people. They're shutting everybody down. They're, you know, demonetizing channels, ours included. They're taking down videos. You can't question anything on elections, on COVID. So that's part of it too. Yeah, I saw that. I wanted to ask you, like, what is I just saw where YouTube is releasing some some new rules. And it's if I understand it right, it basically gives them discretion that if a channel isn't worth it, they're just going to take you off the platform. Yeah, it's a very for, for, for the left. It's a it's a very capitalistic mindset. They said if you're not commercially viable and to their sole discretion they can decide to just completely take you off the platform. So if I'm not commercially viable to Susan Wachicki, who is a big pro-democratic establishment donor, pro, you know, big tech, people like that. If you're not like, if they don't find you like that, they can make money off of you basically in a way that supersedes what you're saying, right? Because that's the excuse. It's like, oh yeah, we can't make money off of you. It's not just that. It's like, they don't want you to say certain things that are going to ruin the state narrative. So they can use that as an excuse and say, well, if you're talking about Syria and the fake chemical attacks, then you're not going to be monetized. So yeah, you're not viable to us. That's It's just another way of them shutting people out, right? Because let's be frank, if you're talking about US imperialism or you're talking against the Democratic Party or even against the Republican establishment, all of these you know, culture war talking points, if you're going against that, yeah, your videos get demonetized anyway. So yeah. how are you going to be commercially viable? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So like, so, so where are, where are, because this is a growing number of, of people that are on YouTube that are going to fall into this. I mean, yeah. uh, where are they all going to go to? There's got to be, you know, because YouTube is no longer, it's no longer YouTube at this point, really what it you know originally was it was a platform where anybody could put up anything yep. any kind of wild shit you wanted to see yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> you could go to youtube you could listen to it there were crazy people that were talking about stuff that was completely out of this yeah. world and there were smart people giving lectures and you know giving good information out there and it was up to like you said earlier it's up to the individual to some extent to take responsibility yeah. themselves to vet information and make wise choices and consider things and you know maybe that's a failing of the education system because you know we get taught a lot how to do a lot of things in school that don't apply to real life <laughs> yeah depending on what you go into obviously but the one thing that they don't really focus on or they focused on very little for me at least, was critical thinking. 
you know, and that's the most valuable thing because it's the thing you continue to use and it's how you disseminate information and decide what is good information, what is true, what is not, how can I test that? Yeah. And even then, I mean, you know, like I agree, like there isn't a lot of attention put into critical thinking, but at the same time, it's like, it's by design. Let's not kid ourselves. Like, you know, you are taught to be a certain way. I, like we were talking before, um, you know, they want to medicate kids. They want to make sure that, you know, kids who are deemed having ADHD get on, on a pill so they can pay attention, so they can not behave like kids, so they can behave like like robots. Our school system is entirely structured that way. And if you don't fit in, then you're deemed some sort of, oh, you know, like, oh, this kid is not okay, or they're this or that. There's something wrong with you instead of the system. So that's how you're taught to 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 grow up. And so when it when people don't trust their government and you add that part in there when people don't trust their government when we find out that your government's been lying to you for decades and you ask questions and they gaslight you people are going to make shit up they're just going to make things up yeah. they're just going to they're going to create their own theories because guess what you're not telling them the truth so they're going to find something that that fits into their their paradigm which is what uh you know QAnon was that's a psyop it's it's a psyop it's an obvious psyop but for, for people who understand that, it's an obvious tie-up. But for a lot of people, it's like, wait a minute, maybe this is true because guess what? They lied about this. They lied about that. They mm-hmm. learned about what it's about destruction. Why wouldn't they lie about that? And nobody's confirming or denying anything. So guess what? I'm going to make my mind up. And the only solution to that is more information, right? It's not, it's not marking everything as disinformation or making sure that somebody stays within your narrative because then all you have is just one giant echo chamber of people agreeing with each other and like it's honestly it's just scary it's very orwellian in in its 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 character it's it's just like you can't you know war is peace it's like wait a minute no it's not like let's think critically i think that thinking um not thinking critically too is not just something that happens on the right it happens with, with liberals thinking that russia is everywhere russia's under your bed Russia is here right now in this room with us. It used to be the like, Republicans that thought that. <laughs> exactly. What, like the what, like just questioning things too. You can't even question anything anymore. You can't even say, hey, oh, I'm, I'm good on the vaccine. I, I you know, I, yeah. I don't feel like it's necessary. You can't even say that now. It's yeah. like crazy. They're going to come for you. They're going to yeah. come for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's insane because like free speech is to me, it's, it's maybe the most fundamental of our, of our rights. Mm-hmm. And it's what's even crazier to me is, is that people aren't fighting for, for it as much as, as they should be, you know, because there are people on both sides of the aisle that are kind of wanting to censor. And then, you know, the rest of us in the middle are caught trying to disseminate, trying to figure it out. And, you know, it, it makes it into a situation where, you know, where, where are we going with this and how can, how can we prevent it? Because that's really kind of where we're at, because if we lose the right to, to be able to have free speech, we lose the thought, we lose our free thought essentially. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. This is why, you know, in the recent, like last year and a half to two, we've really ended up our, amped up our focus on free speech, especially because we've been attacked. So when you're attacked, you feel it yourself. You're like, wait a minute. Like now we can't even say this. What's going on? We can't even talk about anything. We didn't do anything wrong. We weren't even spreading misinformation. Like <laughs> the New York Times, the Washington Post, 
all of these outlets, they constantly lie. They lied about weapons of mass destruction. They lied about Russiagate. They lied about all these things, Syrian chemical attacks, all these things. But they're still there. They don't get any, uh, like, you know, they're, they're completely just uh, devoid of any accountability. Meanwhile, any any YouTube uh, channel or any independent media journalist gets deemed a conspiracy theorist or, or you know, an Assadist or a Putinist or whatever is the latest, you know, ter- term if they're questioning the state narrative. And one of the reasons why it's so important now more than ever is because of Julian Assange. Julian Assange, of course, Agreed. is still in Belmarsh prison right now for exposing U.S. war crimes and crimes of the West, too, for pretty much telling the truth. I mean, they have a 100% accuracy rate on WikiLeaks. And that's one of the things that inspired me, too, is the, the cables and, and seeing, you know, those videos, that video in particular, um, and and reading about how my suspicions were confirmed about the DNC and Hillary Clinton and all of that. It was just to me that was like, wow, like this is it. This is a turning point. This is it. And the way they have smeared that man, the way they have treated him, it's just it's a threat to not just journalists. It's obvious an obvious threat to journalists that actually want to do real journalism and actually want to pursue the truth because that should be, you know, journalism was supposed to be the yeah. the watchdog of, of the government. And that's it's it's complicit now in, in government crimes. It's it's also affecting everybody else, because if they take down a journalist who's not even American and Australian person, the United yeah. States government extradites Julian Assange and is able to prosecute him in a in a trial that you you and I can't see that would set a precedent that would just destroy anything else, along with what we're seeing right now with YouTube and all of that. Um, it's scary times. And really, more than ever, we have to fight for people like Julian Assange, for us, for our free speech against censorship, against this technocratic panopticon that's happening and, and coming towards us with, with big tech merging with our government. You know, it's always funny because the right's always like, oh, well, big government's the problem. And then you got the liberals saying, well, cor- corrupt rich people are the problem. And I'm like, they're working in tandem right now. <laughs> they're in charge of your government. They are the government. Yeah. And now you add in big tech and you you just have like the, the trifecta of coming after the a- average civilian. And and it's turning, the, if they can't turn you against each other, then they're going to have to just censor you and control what what is said and what is heard so you don't really get to go after the people at the very top and that's why you know all of us should be free speech advocates all of us should be a civilian journalist anybody right now can go take their phone and film something and and do it and that's what they're afraid of because now that's a two-way street that's one of the reasons why what was happening in palestine is is such a big deal now because of the phone thing, because of TikTok, because of all these avenues that they're trying to now shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's like the way I kind of see it now, too, is to me, as I've as I've watched the news, because many, 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 many years ago, I kind of leaned conservative and I would say fiscally, I kind of I kind of still am. But my views socially have evolved tremendously since I was, and I'm talking when I was like a teenager, I was conservative. And so I don't even know if that counts, <laughs> but regardless, I've, I've evolved quite a bit in my, in my views on quite a, quite a number of other things. And, you know, it was now that I've seen it, I've watched the news evolve as well. 
you know, Fox has always been known as the super right conservative. That's the Republican thing. And for a while, it seemed like there was still some neutral news sources. But watching the evolution since Trump, I would almost now say that Fox and and some of the a couple others are really the state media for the Republican Party. And, you know, CNN and MSNBC are and a couple others are the state part or, or, you know, state news for the Democratic Party. And the way that you're right, that the way that they've treated Bernie, not once, but twice, ultimately, they just flat out cheated him the first time. The second time they conspired against him. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I've lost, I personally have kind of lost hope that we can reform either party. Just, just, and so what I want to focus on really, you know, moving forward, because I think it's the only route is to have a, a viable third party created, but it seems so difficult to make that happen. Like, do you, do you, I mean, you're obviously way more involved even, you know, than I am. Like, do you think that's like something that is viable, like this unity party or the people's party or in anything like that? Um, so one of the things that that I think failed to was the pushback from Bernie against our election system, against the, the media and against just the entire Democratic establishment, the establishment as a whole. Right. Because the establishment is Democrat and Republican. Um, he, he didn't push back on that. He didn't talk about elections. I am an election integrity activist. I mean, I know I can talk about elections, the ins and outs of everything that's there, whether it's voter suppression, which is through long lines or less machines and not enough people working or provisional ballots and that never get counted. Whether it's, you know, the fact that our elections are privately owned and we don't have access to look into them or whether the, it is that they're easily connected to the Internet, they're easily hackable um, or the fact that, you know, there is no uh, there is no chain of custody when you're moving mail in ballots. There's no there's no actual procedure. There's no watchdog looking at what's going on. So when you have a system like that, right, it's designed to just have make you feel like you have a choice when you really don't. This is why we have people who are in power who don't represent any of us, who don't represent the vast majority of people. And over 60 percent of people on both the Democratic and Republican Party are for some sort of nationalized health care system. Yeah. And then you're, and nobody is, is pushing that. Well, that just, you know, besides the, the people that lost that, that just tells you that obviously we're not electing the people who represent us. So. Like, how are these people getting elected? And that goes for Congress, too. The vast majority of the time, you have to be a certain way to get elected. And so mm -hmm. you're right. There is no reforming the Democratic Party or Republican Party. There's only a third party. Uh, you know, there's a need for a third party. There's a need to have multi a multi-party system. Yeah. The problem with that is that our elections are shite. Our elections are just awful, especially just going over everything like from from 2016 and on just seeing everything and seeing the like even in 2020 the Iowa primary how how that was conducted with the, with the app and and just looking at the difference between when I was in Las Vegas and they did a caucus and it was literally handwritten paper ballots who won by like so many votes of course it was Bernie Sanders because it was hand counted paper ballots and there was the media there and you could see everything well, that's how our election should be conducted. 
once once we have a fair election system, then we can talk about a third party, but we don't have a fair election system. So I find it very difficult to, to think we're going to like they're going to allow you to have a third party. Like how in order to have a third party, you need to have an even keel with the two party system, which they do everything in their power to allow that to not happen. The only way I think would be ranked choice voting on a national level, which is, I think, something that a lot of people are pushing for. Yeah. And I think it's extremely important. But also, you know, for them not to control the elections, our elections need to be transparent. We need to make sure people have faith in the system, because if you if people don't have faith in the system, then you're it's, it's going to fail as well. And and so, yes, I want a third party. I want a multi-party system. I want the Green Party to really, you know, get their 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 shit together and like come and like because they should be out there organizing more. MPP, another one, like please go out there and start, you know, involving yourself in what's going on in the world, what's going on in, in you know, in, in foreign policy wise in Palestine, what what's going on here locally. I just don't see these parties really involve themselves enough into the mainstream, into talking to normal, regular people, because there's a lot of people that are fed up with the system. Yeah. They just don't know what to do about it and they need guidance. And I think in order for us to have a viable third party, we are going to need to really get out on the streets at some level and demand uh, some sort of fairness in our elections, some sort of uh, like, you know, like, hey, you guys can't you we're going to we're going to have a third party. You guys can't um, bring them down in any way, shape or form in H.R. one. That bill that they're pushed, Democrats are pushing to pass, it it makes it next to impossible for a third party to uh, have an even platform. It, they need to raise more money, and and they're just it's not fair because you have lobbyists and you have all of these things at hand. So it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? It's like the chicken or the egg. It's like how do we elect better people? Oh well. We, you know, we have a third party. OK, but then how do we have a third party if our elections are screwed? So it's mm -hmm. like, what do you do first? And I think the only solution I can think of is raise awareness on how bad our elections are, put out options on how to fix it, and then also get people to understand that if we want to fix things electorally, you first need to really make a push for it on the ground. Change never comes from somebody signing a piece of paper out of just <laughs> the goodness of their heart. They're, they're forced to do that. To a resolution. To do that, yeah. A, a symbolic, non-binding resolution, yeah. So yeah. that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, it, it, and I, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I, I don't think they're going to allow, make it very, e obviously, they don't going to make it easy to have a third party. I also don't think they're going to give the reform to make it easy to have a third party. And so, like, and, and, and I agree, like, there's so, all these individual options other than Democrats or Republicans, they all just fall so short yeah. because they're not encompassing. And it really makes me wonder if to have a real threat at the Democrats and Republicans, it'll almost take an independent that would be willing, say Bernie Sanders, say 10 years ago, stepping out on his own or, you know, and, and saying, screw you to the Democratic Party and having maybe an enclave of super of, of of wealthy people, and he's got he's that might be the breaking point, but that might be the thing because I know he doesn't want to do that, and I love that about him. To I love that about him, but he might have to, you know, or whoever does it might have to be able to do that, and then have the ground swelling because he's already proven that you can support a, a candidacy from 
common donors. Yeah. Yeah, that that's absolutely been proven. And and the, the the failure of that is that, you know, nobody does it. And and nobody does it because they know that it's losing. Is Bernie just too nice? Like why I, you know, like, I, <laughs> I mean, he just never tells them to to he plays just enough ball with them to like stay. I feel like he plays just enough that he feels like it's like a you know Jocko Willink. Yeah. It's kind of like I've heard him say many times where it's like, you know, do you just tell them to fuck off and and leave or do you stay in there and try and mitigate the harm? So my opinion, you know, of Bernie has uh, shifted as well. Just as I've evolved more, I feel like he really let people down. I mean, I, I will always be thankful to Bernie because, like I said, he he brought me. Um, he shed light on a lot of things that brought me on this journey, but I feel like he didn't speak out enough regarding the elections. He did this again and he put people, which I followed intrinsically, right? He put people that were problematic in his campaign that were from the establishment that should have never, ever been there. He surrounded himself with the wrong people. And it seemed like the second run was more of like, it wasn't even like, like as hard fought as the first and like, it really just felt to a lot of people who are extremely pro Bernie. A lot of people are just like so done with him because it's like he's just repeating the same state narratives that a lot of these uh, establishment people are saying. Now, I still feel that Sanders did have like intent. Like, I still feel like he's he was is what I don't know, a good person at heart. I just feel like he really like just failed to really um fight back. And I don't know why, whether, you know, people say he was threatened, whether, whether he's just done fighting. We could, we see that with a lot of the activists, right? A lot of like Angela um, Davis is one of them. You know, she was even telling people to vote for Biden. We see that happening as people age. It's like, okay, we're tired. You know, even Cornell West, like when we had him on the show, he was like, well, you know, Biden is is blah, blah, blah. And, and so it's just, it's just like, for me, it's like, I think it's it's an age thing. Yeah. And I think it's an age thing. And I think it's also, you know, they've just been beaten down so much. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think here's the, here's the hard truth, right? I think in order to get anywhere, um, and this is going to sound really like, I don't know, really like just cynical, but in order to get anywhere in politics, um, you have to some vow some sort of allegiance to the establishment because when Bernie Sanders was mayor of Burlington, Vermont, Post and pre nineteen eighty six Bernie that, that that Bernie he was talking about the Sandinistas movement he was talking about you know very lefty revolutionary <laughs> yeah. ideas the moment he got into Congress backed off the moment you touch the national security state and the war machine that's when you are a target we we can look to Robert Kennedy we can look to JFK we can look to every activist from Malcolm X to Fred Hampton. And see, once they started, not just criticizing, you know, capitalism, but imperialism, the empire as a whole, and started going after, hey, these are the institutions, let's come together as a people and fight back the 1%, that's when you start being in danger. And I think Bernie has largely escaped that because if you look at his foreign policy record, he hasn't been great on foreign policy. And I think that's one of the, the criticisms and one of the reasons why people started supporting People like uh, Tulsi Gabbard or other mm-hmm. anti-war candidates, because of that, they felt like he lacked that uh, aspect. Like, by the way, nobody 
no no politician out there is really that great on foreign policy right now. I mean, we had um, um, a Rand Paul, uh, not Rand Paul, Ron, Ron, Ron Paul, um, who was decent as a libertarian. Um, and then you had also, um, what's his name? Was it... Um, the 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 really old guy that ran. I for, I don't know why his name is. Ron Paul's about the only one. I, oh, I can only think of. No, you know, it's funny. Rock. Um, but anyway, uh, he he was extremely anti-war. But and then you have um, Cynthia McKinney, who was elected. She used to be very anti-war. She's very progressive, but she was just pushed as a conspiracy theorist now. And they destroy your reputation or they push you out. So I think it's one of those things where Bernie did stay in there. He did play ball sometimes and he, you know, he's there. He influenced a lot of people, uh, you know, of this generation and younger. But I don't think he is was ever going to be the guy to really like lead the revolution. And I think he said it many times. I mean, he said the whole thing was not me, us. Right. Or like, it's not about me. It's you. And like, and that's the truth. If you want to yeah. take anything positive, no matter how you feel about Bernie now, um, it's not about a politician. It's not about AOC. It's not about the squad. It's about people making the change because they're supposed to serve you. And we need to stop being cheerleaders to these politicians because at the end of the day, a politician is going to be a politician. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, stop they, making them into celebrities. Yeah. yeah. Don't Let, put them on pedestals. Exactly. Yeah. They're all human beings like the rest of us, but they also are are involved in the DC Beltway where they live in a world that doesn't, you know, consider the world we live in. And that's something we have to come to terms with, no matter how likable a politician is, they're still a politician. Yeah. yeah you know, it, it, it even makes me think about, you know, you touched on something else there. You were talking about, um, you know, the foreign policy and kind of the war machine. And that's one of the craziest things that people on, you know, that support the military but are against socialism uh, that I find very contradictory is that we already have socialism. Our military is the greatest socialist program in the entire world as ev it's ever seen, in fact. And we just keep giving it more money and we neglect everything else here at home as secondary. And, you know, I and, you know, you mentioned also earlier, you know, January 6th, and I kind of start to wonder. And it's even more concerning because I don't know who's going to push back against this, because there are already people on the right that are pro-military and pro let's, uh, you know, in, invade people's privacy and monitor them. But now we're seeing that on the left, too. I mean, what was it? AOC and some other people just put forth a bill that was, you know, going to like. Uh, give them private details or something through the Capitol Police. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, I really worry about like an expansion of a Patriot Act 2.0. Yeah. And again, back to manufactured distractions, no one's paying attention and it's just happening. Yeah. I mean, 100%. We covered that, I think, yesterday. Um, it, it's crazy because if you even look at progressive media, most of them, Oh, yay, AOC, Bernie, they put out resolutions. This is great, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but they don't talk about how the, the resolutions, both of them, were dead on arrival because they yeah. the 15-day window was like yesterday and they weren't going to get it in time. And it was just, even CNN said, this is more symbolic than show. anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, great. Like, we can pat ourselves on the back. We try. And, and Palestinians don't care what, like, about, like, they're still, they're still living in apartheid, you know, they're yeah. still, they're still in the situations that they're in. So 
what? Okay, fine. You feel good. Now what? So simultaneously as that was happening, they had this uh, January 6th bill. Uh, I forget what, it, what the actual number is, but basically it's there to give billions of dollars, right? To almost two billion. Where did they come up with that money? Exactly. You know, Out of like, nowhere, by the way. We haven't got any money for you guys, but, oh, we need $2 billion yeah, right here. Yeah. And it's, it includes security detail. It includes money for the Department of Justice, for the FBI, for the National Guard. It includes money for riot gear, for Capitol Police, and by security detail, not just like, it's not just a bodyguard. It's also like barriers. They specify barriers or any sort of protective barriers for any sort of event that may happen. So they're saying for January 6th, because of what happened on January 6th and moving forward. So what are they expecting? Are they expecting another, you know, riot? Do they feel that Americans are very much just completely done? And a lot of them are feeling just the the weight of, of not, you know, of this pandemic and all, all of the things that, that have happened in the economic just uh, fallout. Um, are they, you know, so basically they're protecting themselves. This is directly only for the Capitol Police, by the way. This is directly only for that area. It's not the entire, you know, defense bill. It's, this is separate from that, as if we need more money for police. And the people who voted present were AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Jamal Bauman. All of these people have supported BLM, have said on multiple occasions the police need to be reformed, ATAB. <laughs> But no, it, it doesn't matter. It's not, you know, all cops aren't bastards uh, if they're protecting me. And so they're giving money <laughs> to to the law, to law enforcement agencies. By the way, they are, it says it right there in the legislation, the uh, Capitol Police are not allowed to give the footage of their, their body cam footage to anybody, including another police agency, until they consult with um, with each other. And it's it's deemed okay. Uh, of course, they have to consult with Congress because they're there to protect Congress people. And so, so now we're hiding body cam footage. What if what if the, is it the public allowed to know? What about journalists? Aren't we allowed to know what's going on? And like it's it's like uh, it, it's cut. It's very hypocritical. It's crazy. One of the things that we know we didn't need more on January sixth was police. We we yeah, you needed more police there at that time, but it wasn't for lack of. Of, of money. It wasn't because Police they didn't on the have payroll. it. Yeah. yeah, it was just, it was exactly. And so we know that that's what happened. I mean, these people were let in. I mean, I was there. Like, these people were let in. It was like they were given a tour, basically. And like, you know, and I, I had more police surrounding me a few days when I did force the vote. When we, when I was, I had a megaphone on. They were coming around. They were getting ready to arrest us for talking about healthcare for all. <laughs> but where were all those people, all those police officers that day it wasn't for lack of money it was it was it's, it was just designed that way the fbi director came out and said oh you know there were warnings sent but blah 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 yeah. and so and so we know that that's not the case right so this is just another excuse to amp up their civil liberties bring down yours because who who gets hurt from all this money being put into weapons against protesters. Oh, that's right. Anybody protesting the government. And that's just one aspect of it. And it, since Joe Biden came in, by the way, the, the like the Department of Homeland Security has had uh, revealed that they are spying on 
American social media, the post office has a division where they're doing the same thing. They're looking at people's social media. They're saying, oh, this is January 6th related. They're they're implementing pre-crime. They're, they're, all of these things are happening. And it's these crackdowns that are very, very scary. And nobody pays attention to it because it's not as blatant as something that is emotional, right? It's like people are like just, you know, oh, it's nothing to do with wages. It's nothing to do with anything. So they're just like, oh, okay, it's fine. But no, it's not fine because it, it's gonna it's gonna really like hit us before we know it. They do want the Patriot Act yeah. 3.0 or 2.0. As as somebody who uh, I have to admit, I, I many years ago, I and I I've still still a fan of his, but for different reasons. Grew grew up kind of listening to Alex Jones. It's insane <laughs> to see you know the conspiracy theory theorist in me kind of come, starts to come out, and it's like almost textbook. And I don't know if they if they're consciously in on a conspiracy to make the, all this happen, or if they're just ignorant to it and they're just like, they don't realize that they're doing all the things that are going to build like this military, you know, authoritarian state. And it's going to, and it's basically at the same, and it's same socioeconomically as well. It's creating that division between the haves and the have nots, a controlling part, a class and a, a surf class, you know, if you, you know, for whatever term you want to put on it. You know, it's 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 I, I don't know. It's just insane to, to see me to see all this unfolding. And then you see, you know, I saw today where they're, you know, releasing smoke bombs over in in uh, Palestine over or in the West Bank w- with drones. And it's like, how long before they're going to just implement that and give that to the police, you know, f- to here here to use at home? Well, that's the thing. One of the things that I, I noticed while covering the protest in 2020 was that the United States has brought its imperialism home. And it's only a fraction of what we do. But when I was in Portland, right, the weapons that were unleashed on protesters, the the tactical, you know, structure of it was extremely like, oh, these protesters are enemies and we are attacking them. The, the, the gear, the riot shields, the weapons, we collected actually some weapons there. We've collected weapons in LA, these gas canisters. Obviously, they're all made by the defense industry. These are like military grade weapons that, that cause damage to your lungs, to your eyes, to your breathing. I've experienced it. I thought I was going to die. Like, you just can't breathe. Like, you're just like, wow. Um, and these are, these are the vast majority of the protesters in these areas are young people like very young people and you know it's just crazy to me when did it become okay to treat protesters this way and then i go back i'm like wait a minute it's always been this way way." yeah it's just our weapons have gotten you know more technologically savvy it's always been this way you can go back and look at what happened in, in chicago what happened you know it's just it's it's it this is something that a lot of us need to come to terms with america has always been an empire and um, its its sole existence is a contradiction, and the 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 reality is that not only is America bringing their imperialism home, they're trying to to turn people against each other, so we don't turn on on them. Because otherwise, like people would realize, hey, wait a minute, like why are we you know here talking about? You know the Proud Boys. Yeah, the Proud Boys. They're, they're you know, they're, they're they're bad. Like whatever. But like, do they have power? Who has the power here? Who really, yeah, uh, you know, has the ability to make change 
And it's like you realize it's, it's a lot of the, the wealthy people at the top. And when you start seeing how these sort of conspiracy theories that you, you know, you mentioned Alex Jones, it's like, well, conspiracy theories often come from a, a, Some a, a little bit of truth, yeah. right? They're based on a little bit of truth. <laughs> so it's not going to be exactly like aliens coming down, but which maybe. by the way, yep. but. I feel like the X Files are unfolding yeah. before our eyes. Actually, I got uh, the documents. Let's go. <laughs> we have a lot of what is it? The 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 smoke guy. What was his name? Um, smoking man. The smoking man. There's a lot of those in DC, man. When I was there, I was like, wow, this every one of these. Because the FBI, when we were doing the Assange uh, protest, the FBI was literally like lying down the street, like watching, and we're like, okay, because uh, we were at the Department of Justice, so maybe that's why. I don't know. But it, it's like, okay, so this is real. Like that, that there's a lot of us, right? There's a lot of people and a lot of us aren't happy. So they do, they're like, okay, we have to control this. And if the way to control this is to, hey, why don't we also put, pass some laws against the second amendment? Biden was pushing this uh, bill that would allow the police to come in and do warrantless uh, just confiscation of guns. And nobody was talking about that. It's like, hello, he literally just got in office and they're pushing this. And um, they've been pushing a lot of that. Now, my Second Amendment evolution, I went from like, let's control, uh, you know, AR-15s. Let's get like, we don't need those. Why do people need those? So everybody go get one of those and like arm yourself because the government is armed and we're not and we need to be like that i did a whole flip on that like i never wanted to ban guns but i was more like more control more control and then as i saw and that was like in maybe like 20 i don't know 2015 2014 i was more for gun control as like now fast forward and now i'm like no like everybody like yeah. just that how can we disarm people when we have a military that's heavily armed, the police are pretty much trained by the military. Like, yeah. at least here in LA, they had they were trained by the IDF playbook, which is crazy. Another thing nobody talks about. Um, and so how, how are we going to, like, disarm people, right? And so what you're starting to see is militia groups, like the Boogaloo Boys, like Black Panthers Return, and all these groups coming in and, and fighting back. And even some of the, the protesters are still like, wait a minute. No, you have guns. No, it's like, guys, come on. Like, this is like, it's your first, it's your second amendment right to have a gun. It's your first amendment right to protest. Yeah. These things are intrinsically connected. Like you, it, it, this, this is our, our way of fighting back. It is in our declaration of independence, actually, that if the government fails, the people have the right to overthrow the government. That isn't the declaration of independence. It's in the constitution that you have yeah. to, your government should you know, provide. And if they don't, then you have to hold them accountable. You can, you, I, and the, you can go back to all of this in history. And, um, you know, it's so important to really look, look at what's happening in a historical context as well as to how, how empires rise and fall, right? A lot of people compare the United States to, to Rome, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it's, you know, it's like when your people turn on you, yeah. And then you have enemies or, or, you know, but nobody's really the worst enemy. We are our own worst enemy. If, if you look at, at really at really what's happening here. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And, you know, I would say my my feelings about the Second Amendment have have evolved one way and then back an, another. You know, I started off, you know, again, kind of I grew up in a conservative area. So 
there were a lot of guns, not a lot of guns, but enough guns around that I was like, yeah, people should have guns. But I never, you know, once, you know, I grew up, I never had a, was like, I need to go be around guns and do guns. So like, I, I kind of was like, yeah, why do people need guns? Right. But then you start to really, you know, if you dig into history, it's like you said, I, I wonder also if we've been comfortable for so long and we don't teach history. And I remember even in, when I was in school, people would kind of be like, fuck history. It's just history class. Like you don't really need it, you know, pay attention or learn anything. But you see this pattern throughout history and you do have to be able to kind of keep governments in check. Otherwise, they sort of do run amok. And it's not saying that we need to go take to the streets, but they need to, you know, that threat needs to be there at least. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, people, a big thing against that, I think, is that people just aren't comfortable with guns because they've been they've just not been around them. And it makes them nervous. We were talking about this the other day. Like, I've been around guns some. Yeah. But, like, if I go into the coffee shop and there's somebody there, like, we were talking about Texas's new concealed carry laws, what we were, we were talking about. And it's like, if I go in somewhere, like, I've been around some guns, but I wouldn't say I'm, like, gun, you know, a gun yeah. gun person. I don't own a gun yet. Um, but yet, um, you know, it does make me kind of nervous when I go in and I see somebody with a gun. I'm like, man, I don't know. Why is there a gun in here? What if somebody grabs that from him? You know, like, I don't know. Like, you know, there's power there. Yeah, you know the, I mean? it's, it makes puts me on edge. And so, like, me thinking about, like, being in a society where everybody's packing heat everywhere I go, like. It shouldn't be like that. I'm, I'm going to be like, God, you know, it's going to make me super nervous. <laughs> I don't know if I want to live in that state either. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like there has to be some sort of, like balance and i think it takes again nuanced conversation so that it, it's not just ban all guns or go get all the guns it's also not everybody needs to be carrying a bazooka around with them when right. they go to the 7-eleven mm -hmm. you know it, it's somewhere in the middle it's educating yourself about the matter you know what i mean a lot of people don't understand like gu guns in general it's like oh that's bad you know that's more that's going to kill people what, what about hunting and all these other things uh there as well so it's like educating yourself on like yeah, what what are firearms used for? To protect yourself, to hunt, to do whatever, you know? As an advocate for the cannabis industry, I have to go with free choice and say that guns <laughs> don't kill people, people do. Yeah. Same, you know, you don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of guns, really. Like, I'm not like a gun person. I don't want to live in a world where everybody has a gun either. But the reality is, we live in a state... <laughs> that's consistently becoming more authoritarian. Yeah. So that is why people are actually getting more guns. In fact, during the, the pandemic- A lot more. A lot. Yeah. The gun sales went through the roof. People Couldn't were like, <laughs> because that, it's that fear. It's like, oh, well, they're gonna install martial law and then this and that. And like, and that can very well happen. And that's the thing. Like that's, you know, that's the dystopian nightmare that we're headed towards because yeah, we don't want a bunch of people who are idiots having guns and like killing a bunch of people. Like at the same time, why are people doing that? It's always like, why is, is this person acting this way? Well, because they don't trust the government. Oh, well, why don't they trust the government? Oh, because you lie to them all the time. Yeah. Okay, well then stop lying to them. And, and then, you know, people are going to back off and they're going to be like, okay, well, we all want to maintain the society. It's very easy. If you keep people happy, if you do things that help people, they're they're gonna they're gonna be fine with the government, but th that's not what's happening here. And so, the gun issue is, is it's an American issue too, largely because in a, a lot of countries, like let's say Australia, people don't have guns, and they they they're completely banned. Yeah. 
But also people have more freedom in other ways. They have nationalized healthcare. You know, they're, they, they have Stress other things. Stress is not there. Yeah, it's not the same structure. So it's kind of disingenuous to compare, you know, oh, well, Australia doesn't have guts. It's like, well, but also we were, we we're a, a, a nation that's built, you know, or a co we colonized this, this country. You know, it was built on the backs of slaves. All these things that people don't want to talk about. All of that happened. And so you're going to have the, this pushback from people who feel like, hey, it's my it's my patriotic right, because there's always that threat that the government was was the, the, the problem. Right. It was the British for the American revolutionists. But it, it's now it's like, are we are we having taxation without representation? Because I feel like we are. I feel like my taxes are going to kill children in, in Palestine. And I don't want that to happen. Right. If, if you believe in the economic system that's presented to you then your taxes are going to fund things that none of us voted for, none of us yeah. wanted. Yep. And so am I being represented by my taxes? No, then yeah, let's have a Boston Tea Party, right? But you're not going to, that's not how it is anymore. So people have this need to feel, okay, we're going to protect ourselves. The other point is that there are populations in America that are targeted, are being targeted, right? You talk about Black Lives Matter, you talk about uh, minorities, a lot of minorities are are often the ones that are, are feeling more in danger from from the police. So if these people are feeling like they're oppressed by the system, then well, if they are oppressed, then then why why would they not allow, be allowed to have guns? And these are the people that often are are have criminal. Some people, you know, a lot of them have criminal records. And I don't think it should be as easy as saying, oh, if somebody has a criminal record, they can't have a gun. It's like. Okay, let's be specific. What kind of what record? was it? What, yeah. Let's. What kind of person is this? Is this is, is a person that is psychologically fine? Like you can have all those, you know, hoops. Like oh, let's go get a license. Like how you go get yeah. your license? Like it doesn't have to be super easy to go get a gun. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Like as long as it's like you know, if you're gonna go get a license, and it's tedious, then that's fine. You can go get a gun, and you can have some sort of track record as to who's getting it. And I'm totally cool with that. But to, to make it illegal, I think it's just, it's not going to go well. I think you're going to open it up to a black market. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think there's sensible, sensible legislation we could put on that. And that's like the best argument, because if you go on either end where it's like everybody's free, a free for all. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah, but it always goes back to how comfortable are people in, in their government. And if people aren't comfortable in their government, well, then they're going to want, they're going to always find ways to get some sort of uh, protection. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you touched on, on the vaccine, um, talking about, you know, getting the vaccine or not, you know, and we talk about that a lot, you know, I'm, I have, have not been uh, shy about the fact that I've opted not to do, mm -hmm. do the vaccine, you know, and, uh, that's the first question anyone asks. Like, hey, hey, yeah. I'm like, yeah. hey, how, <laughs> you know, I was, I was seeing as well where, you know, there was talk about a, a passport and I think that's been killed, but you know, yeah. and, and then I saw also where, you know, HIPAA doesn't apply, um, for businesses, um, when it comes to the vaccine. So legally, like you're going to have to answer this question if you want to go conduct business somewhere in, in another business. Um, I, I don't know. This is this is also part of that Orwellian evolution where it's like this is exactly why when you start putting all this together, this is why people take it to the next step right. where they're like, I have a magnet sticking to my arm because of the microchip in the, in the <laughs> vaccine, you know, and it's like. 
you don't, that's why those people take that next step is because of this kind of shit that they talk about openly, but quietly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Those, those videos are, are I've seen those videos. I thought it was a hoax on uh, TikTok, but I haven't looked into it enough. <laughs> Uh, to have an opinion on it, but I- Here's what I can, here's what doesn't make sense to me about it, just just logically, and and I'm no expert, I'm an evolved idiot, obviously, (laughs) is even if it was a microchip in your arm, that microchip, for it to be in a solution, to be injected into from through a liquid into your vein, would have to be so small, there's no way that a normal like magnet would stick to your arm through your skin on something that small. To magnify that much? Like, I don't think there's enough metal there. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know, like how not a microchip expert. Not a microchip (laughs) expert, but I mean, you know, here's the thing. It's like, I'm open to questioning everything, right? I'm I'm an open-minded skeptic is what I consider myself, right? So I, like, if somebody shows evidence like hey this is happening i don't necessarily it doesn't mean it's necessarily a microchip i don't know what it could be i don't know i don't know we don't know that's the thing when you don't know it's hard to like when you don't trust the the sources of government when they've lost credibility it's kind of hard to like say one way or the other but as far as the vaccine goes right as far as like for me i've never been an anti-vaxxer i've always gotten every single vaccine ever except the flu because that was like a you know like oh you should get it to be safe and you know i never got sick so i never got it and uh-huh, i've been uh always my whole life um and maybe this is from my parents you know deciding not to give me ritalin as a child like no i don't want to put you know big pharma in my body i don't take you know any antidepressants anything like that if i've just always been pro like marijuana like marijuana will solve, like you know a like it help me sleep <laughs> i've had issues sleeping so marijuana helps um cramps marijuana helps <laughs> uh, you know like it just anything that is like uh, with the add like sativa helped a lot like just i've always tried to take it the natural route now yeah so that's me and so when they're telling the CDC says, well, we're launching these experimental vaccines and we're, you know, fast forwarding the process <laughs> and people are having adverse reactions to it all over the world. And on top of that, you're not allowed to talk about it. I'm like, OK. Oh, and you can't sue them if anything happens. OK, well, then, no, thanks. I'm good. Was um, it that many people that got sick? It's, it, it seemed like it. Per, you know, if you put it over the scale, it didn't seem like that much from what I read. But. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, what what is being put out in the mainstream? It's it's not that many people at all. Then you go and watch certain shows that break it down, and they show you the language, and it's actually more than what they're saying. I would recommend um, Ryan Christian and the Last American Vagabond. He he does he's done great work on that, uh, and he literally just says, "Here's the data. Look at." look look at it make your own choice and so that's that's kind of where i'm at i'm like okay this is suspect i i'm not gonna make you know i'm not gonna say that they're that i know enough to say that there is actual toxicity aimed at killing people but i am gonna say i'm just gonna opt out of this vaccine because i don't trust it i don't think that it's um it's developed yet and like i also even if it was i'm not the kind of person to feel like i need to take this I've already had COVID. I, you know, so I know it was bad. I p- People saying COVID is a hoax. That's the wrong approach. It's not a hoax. It's, <laughs> it's a real a virus. Yeah. It's a real virus. I had it. It's no fun. 
you know, it put me under the weather for a week and a half. Like it's, it's not, you know, we all had it. Everybody in my household had it and um, it's real. Now, uh, most people aren't going to die from it. That's the thing. Most people aren't going to die from it. Most people are, are going to be okay. And there are a lot of the people who did die who were younger had underlying conditions. And I, I've known people who have passed away from COVID um, close to me and they had underlying conditions. A lot of them had breathing problems or were severely overweight or had other issues, right? The, 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 so yeah, the general population isn't, uh, it's not, it's not like a, a pandemic of like when you had like, uh, I don't know, polio and yeah, even that yeah, exactly. question. So, cause a lot of people compare this to polio, yeah. like, oh, you have to get a vaccine. It's, it's not so, the same at all. No. And that's the most frustrating thing that I've seen is like, why exactly? And I, it, the only thing that it comes down to, to me is like, and especially with this patent call where they're not, I think they've reversed, they're not going to allow the patent to be released on the vaccines if that's still correct, you know, it comes down to greed because otherwise the messaging that they should be telling people is exercise, eat better, take your supplements, vitamins, yeah, everything. like take better care of yourselves. Again, personal responsibility, just like you said earlier. And ivermectin. So we took ivermectin where we were sick. And this is another issue that I have. My friend was like banned on Twitter for like 48 hours because he put the word on Twitter. Like, so for me, it's like, what are you guys hiding if we can't even talk about it? Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to take the, the shot. I don't want to, you know, so why don't I, why am I not allowed to talk about ivermectin? It was given to a lot of people in third world countries in India and Mexico. Um, my brother went to Mexico. He brought some back and we took it and, and we gave it to our family and we, we were fine. Like now, you know, like it, it's it's funny because my my parents and my sister got the vaccine. My brother and I were not getting it and they keep trying to tell us to get it. And we're mm -hmm. like, no, we're fine. And um, I don't care if you take the vaccine or not. Like that's your choice. Have at it, whatever. Yeah. I care about the vaccine passports. Now you said that it doesn't look like it's happening. And I actually have to disagree with that. Like oh. I think, this is that, why you're here. So private <laughs> businesses are pushing this, right? And the government isn't going to push it. That's how they wash their hands of the matter. They're, mm -hmm. oh, we're not going to push it. But, oh, you want to go to a, a football game? Oh, you have to show proof of your, your vaccine card. Um, they're giving you the option right now to, to go get a test and say if you're negative, right? But, oh, you still have to wear a mask if you do this. Like now the CDC is saying you don't have to wear a mask if you got the vaccine which is really interesting because a lot of people are like, wait a minute, the vaccine doesn't necessarily stop COVID. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, so I'm going to wear my mask. And it's like, instead of saying, wait a minute, the CDC has been going back and forth on a lot of things. Why are you guys, you know, so there's that. And then um, there's also the fact that the, the, the private, the private corporations like uh, airlines and all, all of these, you know, private entities can say, you're not allowed to fly unless you have a vaccine. So that that is a very real threat that the government can say, well, we're not going to impose it. But, you know, the private sector can. And the private sector, of course, knows that this is this is what's happening. Now, the other issue with the vaccine passports that I have is that they're painting them as a cool new app that you can have on your phone. <laughs> I, I hate apps just for the world to know the wallet. They're like, add it to your wallet. And so what they're working on is adding 
the uh like having your medical history right there on your iphone oh that tells God. them everything about you and <laughs> it's right there included with your banking information what happens when you lose your phone social media exactly so so this is what what's going on um there there is now this whole new era that you are data i am data you are data yeah. we are data we're a bunch of, of data for ones and zeros tech. exactly mm -hmm. And they're data mining you constantly, trying to figure out how to advertise to you. We've seen this what is on it like? Facebook. Are we developing a matrix within a matrix? Right <laughs> I think this is a matrix. Yeah. Um, but if you go and watch the recent conference at Davos, right? Um, they talk about this great reset. They talk about it. The yeah. the these uh, it's a bunch. It's like a conference with a bunch of billionaires come in. And it's a bunch of important people, people tied to Google, Bank of America, Wall Street, you name it. They're all there and they're and, and they're having conferences on how to build back better. This is a, a term that's being used by the Democratic Party a yeah. lot. How we're going to build back better. We're going to come back stronger, rebuild. Da, 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 da. And so they use the same term a lot, terminology, but they they have focused a lot on this ability to incorporate big tech with your human body. Some people say that is transhumanism. You can take it as however you want. But what I am saying is there is a merger of big tech with the biology of, of human beings. That's 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 like the AI dream, right? We're gonna we're gonna give AI some human properties and we're gonna give humans some yeah. AI properties. And we're also going to incorporate technology with with how what with how you are as a person. So they're they're doing a lot of just uh, like advancements on that, and that's going to also allow for the privatization of so many things, including including the climate. Like like a lot of people think, oh, the Green New Deal and the Sunrise Movement—they're all great. But when you look into who funds the Sunrise Movement, who created the Sunrise Movement, it is a so subsidiary yeah. of the Sierra Club. It's the Sierra Club is a gigantic like NGO for the Democratic Party basically like they they have never really done anything for, like that's great for the environment they're tied to big money and so that's their the daddy of the sunrise movement and then you look into like the Green New Deal it's a it's a resolution um it doesn't have anything to do with fracking it doesn't it doesn't talk about like where all this money is coming from and what they're really going to do and it, it's really it, it doesn't really have a, a focus on nuclear energy, which is um, way better than, like, say, you know, coal and, and other forms of, of energy. And all of these things are being discussed at this conference by a bunch of billionaires. And they're talking about a certain type of capitalism of how to invest in this and how to invest in that. And they they show this video, which I think everybody should look up. It's a video of what they mean by like the great reset. And it's like creating this beautiful picture of like everybody jumping around in, in like a meadow and everybody's happy. And you know, everybody's you have on your Prozac. Yeah. yeah. And it cut, it reminded me of Brave New World, like while watching it and like, oh, here's a Soma. Take it. And you'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. like it was actually frightening to to see that. And um you know, I, I could talk about that forever, but it's like one of the one of the the people I would say has talked about that endlessly is uh, Whitney Webb, and yes. she has made the yeah. connections to all of these things in a very scary yet like you can research it and find the receipts to everything she yeah. says. 
And so I think uh, we, you know, is it a conspiracy to think that these people are conspiring in a room? I don't think that's how it's happening. I think it happens in a way where they have the same interests. They're yeah, all part of exactly. the same class, class and they are all, uh, they're going to benefit if, if certain things happen with the rest of the population that's kind of in their way. And so that's, that's kind of how it happens, right? Life imitates art. Yeah. We've, we've done this many times. There's so many books on this. You can look at the, there was that movie with, um, oh God, I, it, it was like, um, about where there's two planets and earth that a planet earth, there's the poor people. And then the rich people go to another planet and oh. they never age. And like, it's like I'm, the more money you have, I, I forget sort what it's called, this movie. but yeah, but it's like, it's crazy. And like, it, it, I feel like kind of that's where we're headed. I Is mean, that where they take, take baths in the blood of, of <laughs> yeah. the ground up infants <laughs> or something. It's like, yeah, but I mean, but it's not really like a crazy thing to think about that. There's a lot of, there's a handful of rich people that are afraid that eventually we're all going to get pissed because you have to think about how this isn't just happening in America. Everywhere. Protests aren't happening in America. They're happening in France. Yep. They're happening in India. They're happening all over the world. Germany, like protests against lockdowns were happening all over England, especially London. All, all of, all of this is happening because people are like, wait a minute, what is going on here? Like, what a lot of the things we were told about COVID aren't true. What is their end goal here? What like you know? And you can't ask those questions, which makes which makes it worse. Which makes me question it even more. If I'm not allowed to ask, why why have you, why is Fauci like been exposed as an entire liar? Oh, well, let's look at <laughs> time Fauci's time history, again. right yeah. during the AIDS epidemic. Let's look at, at how like he treated patients who were dying like uh, just there's so much information on Fauci yet he he's not even a doctor he's not even a scientist he gets pro like not a real like not a he's real a doctor guy at this point yeah yeah like he's he was propped up in a certain way and like he's not somebody that should have been in government yet somehow he ends up there I mean now the lab leak theory is 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 being taken more and more serious even though you'll still like you said get demonetized or taken off if you talk about it yeah. online but <laughs> i mean it yeah. it it's more and more seems like the most logical scenario for it you know it's uh which makes it all that much more frustrating but it just shows how it all ties together exactly like you said and if the people in those rooms aren't making like choices knowing that they're building something without realizing it somebody in the room needs to realize that and and, and you know be able to make conscious choices that benefit people, which kind of leads me to my last thing. I know you've got a, a heart out here, so I want to keep keep honest to that. But I wanted to get you uh, your your take on the Mr. Gavin Newsom's recall and what you <laughs> where, where you where you thought get him out of where, here. where's that at? You know, because to me, it seems like it's just going to be a big shit show like i see him offering people like free free deal free money and <laughs> like all sorts of shit right now he's gonna have to i mean that's his only salvation even progressives who are like oh well this is just a right-wing thing it's like no guys it's not i look i still know people in the service industry and they all leave democrat and guess what the moment he started playing like a, like a gigantic hypocrite and started allowing his friends in the film industry to have, Oh, you know, they're open, like basically restaurants. I mean, you, yeah. you know, when you're filming things, your people are in 
close proximity. They were allowed to have their catering and their food. And then businesses are getting shut down. Small businesses yeah. specifically. Not I'm not talking about like gigantic corporations, like you know, whatever. I'm not talking. I'm talking about like small business owners with bars and with you know who. This is their life. Single location this is places. Their dream. Yeah. Martial yeah. arts academies. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> all those places and, and and salons and nails. All like all these people that might have been. Hey, I'm a Democrat. I'm, you know, I live in. No, he turned them all against him by not dealing with the situation the way he should have at all like and and again like i go back to the hospitality industry people in florida who were in the hospitality industry are doing way better than people in, in here because yeah. that got shut down for so long and opened back up and then shut down again and the and there was not enough money we live in one of the most expensive states and not the most expensive state in the entire country and and you didn't give people enough help and by the way the progressives were trying to push california healthcare for all he didn't even do that. So ex what exactly is saving him? This isn't a, a hyper-partisan thing. It shouldn't be. This is like, hey, you screwed up and you were, we're holding you to account. Yeah. So either you fuck up or you get the hell out. And it's not like they're going to be anybody good to replace him. It's not like <laughs> That's my next question. Is like, no, it's like, come on. What's let's this real snake head that comes oh, up? Jesus <laughs> yeah, like, no, like, but people, Politicians need to fear people, I think, yeah. at this point, because they've gotten away for so long without, you know, with just 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 acting like they are above you and me. And they're not. They're supposed to serve you. Yeah. And that 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 idea has gotten so twisted. And when I saw him going out to dinners and when I saw his his auntie Nancy Pelosi going yeah. to salons, when the rest of us proletariat don't get to do that. It's like, it, it does something to you. You're like, wait a minute, who are you? Like, yeah. are you, like what? Yeah. yeah. It's the hypocrisy of it all, I think, is what really angered people. And also, obviously, the economic fallout. Yeah. Uh, we talk about we've talked about it many times on here. Just just a fa it comes down to it. We talk about leadership in general, but it comes down to a failure of leadership, because to me, like and we talked about this, you know, because at the beginning, I was very cautious about the vaccine, you know, coronavirus and everything. But as more information came out, my my position on it evolved and it changed. And I never understood why here in particular in this state leadership never evolved or revised its recommendations or its its tier system and what that meant like if you were allowed to do certain things it didn't have to be a blanket policy it's like no we're just going to shut down the whole region because we're too stupid to do anything yeah. else or too lazy or you know i don't know what the reason they is dug their heels. but there is something more to being a politician than being a spokesperson. When a disaster or something bad happens, you actually have to provide leadership. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And and he did it and he failed and he should be held accountable. And that goes for any politician. And you know, you can look at Cuomo and look at how much worse he was, because he was terrible too. Absolutely. I mean, he allowed yeah. uh, you know old people to die. Completely and hypocrite. completely covered it up. And yeah. nobody was talking about it except one guy. And you know, that guy was just the whole party railed against him. And it's 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 crazy to me that these politicians get away with all of this. And it's 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 to me like Nancy Pelosi, for instance, she gets to go and parade around and say, we feed them. We feed them. And it's like, so Marie Antoinette. <laughs> and, you know, and then the media, all they're like, oh, Nancy Pelosi's pink mask matched her outfit or Jill Biden is bringing scrunchies back. The 90s are back. 
And it's like, you know, there there are people out there who are fighting, you know, the mainstream media narrative. But for me, like where I'm at, it's like now I want to go deeper than that. Yes, we know the mainstream media lies. But what exactly are they lying about? Why are they lying? Yeah. What 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 are the connections behind with these powerful corporations and these powerful people? And uh, like, how do we get people to realize this? Right. Like uh, there's a, you know, a lot of projects I want to start and a lot of projects that my co-hosts want to start too to kind of bring information to the younger generation who are being led astray by people like Bausch, like people who don't know right. what they're talking about. Um, and just they they're such a short minded generation with like TikTok videos that are like a minute long. Um, but there's gotta it be affects a way. everybody. I know 50 year olds that are on that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, we're all like a very we're a society here in America where it's like we have to grind and hustle. It's that whole mentality yeah. of success is put it against you. Right. Like we live in a very like fast paced society compared to if you go to especially Europe, here, if, especially here. Um, I, I would say it's only worse than like New York City Bigger or something. Cities, yeah. But uh, other than that, like this is, you know, this is pretty much how it is. And if you go to like Europe or you go to South America, people are more laid back. They're like, oh, let's let's go have wine in the middle of the day. Let's go <laughs> take life. a long nap. Yeah. Like it's like the, the joy to be like, it's like, oh, it's so nice. But here it's like, no, no, no. Work, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And we also have to take into consideration like how that affects your mind and like how, how you need to like escape. This is why America has so many people that are addicted. And that's a, my, my co-host is starting a series to hell and back next Thursday, talking about the uh, opioid crisis, because that is something that is not even talked about that much. And it's affecting so many people, you know, killing, killing so many people, more people, way more people than guns, way more people than anything else. So it's crazy. And that's by design. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, that's one of the reasons I love to see, you know, cannabis legalization grow. There's like about a 25% decrease in opioid deaths in places where cannabis is legalized. So it's, it's been a serious issue for sure. And it is one of the things that I like about your, all your show, um, the convo couch for those of you listening, um, is the fact that, you know, people don't pay attention. Like you said, they get emotional. They don't pay attention. And like, we have to bring the conversation because even the politicians don't discuss policy anymore. And you all do a, like that's one of the things I like about it really that I really enjoy is is when you break down the policy of something and explain it to people, because I think that's one of the biggest things is people feel overwhelmed. You know, it's like and you even hear the politicians say it like they dumped this on us at 24 hours and it's 800 <laughs> pages and, you know, they're voting on it. And it's like they haven't read it. And. You know, these are decisions that are affecting all of us. It's irresponsible to 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 vote on something so you've not read. Exactly. <laughs> like, can we not put this stuff in common terms yeah. and put it in, say, a, a ten page report that anybody can read before yeah. it gets voted on? Maybe we could even take polls from the American people like and see what they think about it. Here, right. Let us vote on how our tax dollars are spent. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you look at the language, it is confusing for a lot of people. And, you know, like, we try to break it down. But I mean, even us, that requires time. Like, yeah. spent. like I read what I forget what it was. I think it was HR1 and a few other ones that were like 700, 600 pages. It's like that takes time. And it's also you have to, like, translate the the jargon into a common language. It's like reading Shakespeare <laughs> and then trying to write No Fear for yeah. Shakespeare, like putting it in, like, <laughs> modern terms and, like, cheating and, like, here's the condensed normal 
version of what's Flip going notes. on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And uh, I most people aren't going to do that. Who has time to do that? They don't even have time. And it's their job, let alone a person that's working, you know, and has kids and then has whatever else they do. Like it's it's designed that way. And the, the only way we break through that is if we have more of us having these conversations, more of us doing independent media. CNN isn't going to tell you what's in these bills. They're not. No. They don't care. They they're just going to give you the fluff and they're going to say, oh, it's great. Joe Biden's doing great. He's doing much better than Trump. When Joe Biden is <laughs> deporting more people than Trump did in his first 45 days. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's all these things that now with a Joe Biden presidency, that's one of the things that I was afraid of was that people are going to go back to sleep. I don't think it's it's as easy as it was before because of all of us, you know, screaming and all of Agreed. that. But people are still like being fed the lies by mainstream media. When Trump was out there and he was like, we're going to take their oil. They were like, oh my God, he's going to take their oil. <laughs> and it's like, well, Biden's doing the we're same thing. We're going to take the oil either way. <laughs> but he's like putting a, a nice, smiley, friendly face yeah. and like, oh, Uncle it's marketing. Joe. And that's it. They're PR. They're P they're PR uh, pu puppets for the empire, and that's all it is. And so, once you come to terms with that, it does seem very dire and dark and very cynical. But I think that's the step most people need to take is to understand like politicians are effectively like just running PR for for the empire, and like yeah, they'll do a couple things here and there to keep you pa uh, you know pa pacified and and okay, but they're not really calling the shots here. You have to go after the, the agencies that are covert and, and expose them. And then when you do that, well, you do put a target on your back. But I think that if there's a lot of us, right, what are they going to do? There's like, more there's of us than them. Exactly. Exactly. I, I could, uh, we could continue talking for probably another hour and a half or so. For sure. um, but uh, I, uh, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on. Um, really good stuff, you know, keep fighting the good fight and we'll all keep kind of promoting, you know, just having conversation, if nothing else, I think having dialogue and uniting the people and showing the common bond, you know, think about it globally. Cause we, you know, the pandemic has shown it. We are all on this big globe, the spaceship yeah. called earth, we're all on it together <laughs> and we've all got to unite and communicate, especially if we're going to have a future that, uh, is good for everybody. Yep. Is there some psilocybin in this water? No. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> well, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on YouTube. And I forgot to mention, we're also on Rockfin. It's a new cryptocurrency platform. It's called oh. R-O-K-F-I-N. And we've been, that's been our salvation since we're demonetized. So we've been on there for a while. I would ask you guys to check it out. If you have, um, you know, if you've done your due diligence on YouTube and you want to talk to them, for sure, email them. They 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 accept all kinds of media, um, and basically, it's it's a platform that runs on cryptocurrency. And you know, cryptocurrency is also under attack right now, but yeah. it, it's going to come back up. Um, they're just they're don't kind pan of, don't panic. They're they're validating yeah. it by by trying to control it. So that's they an are. important point to yeah. make uh, on on that. Um, but yeah, so it's called Rockfin, and we they they have an Android app and an Apple app. They're they're going places with it, and I'm excited for it because uh, we have a nice following there, and everybody's on there. Jimmy Dore's on there. Uh, a bunch of people are on there right now, and it's it's nice. pretty awesome. And um, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can find me on on Twitter at Fiorella underscore I am. Thank you guys for having me on. This is a really cool conversation. I love shows like this because it's like very free. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Yeah.
yeah, yeah. it's been it's been uh, really really enjoyable having you on. Have to have you again on sometime, uh, you know, in the future. All right, for sure. Well, this has been another episode of the Evolved Idiots Podcast. As always, guys, peace and love. Power to the people. <laughs>